Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio. And welcome to Rocksport Radio. It's Tuesday night. I'm Maureen McGonigal and this is Let's Hear It For The Girls. Tonight we have two special guests in the studio. We've got Sarah Rind and Hazel G and they're from Street Soccer. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and you've just returned from an absolutely amazing trip in India and I can't wait to hear more <laughs> about it. Um, but before we do, we're going to listen to... Um, sorry, we're going to have a little bit of... Um, a roundup of what's been happening in women in sport this week. And I'm going to start off with football because I thought it was really interesting. The facts are out and FIFA have tweeted them. There was a record-breaking 1.12 billion viewers who watched the 2019 Women's World Cup. Um, and as we all know by now, the USA lifted their fourth title with a 2-0 win over Netherlands and France in a final which had an estimated average live audience of 82.18 million. I don't know how they get to those numbers, but they're pretty impressive, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Glasgow City, to bring it back down to earth, um, they have said about their next league match against Motherwell, the equation is simple. When and we are SWPL1 champions. We face Motherwell on Wednesday night at Wishaw Sports Centre, aiming to finish the job, get along and cheer the team to those vital three points. So that's a kind of... Um, Great incentive, I think, for anybody that's in the team to, to make sure they get the points against Motherwell and uh, that's the, the league in the bag for them. But they've also got the little matter of a Champions League match against Bronby on Thursday the 31st of October. It's a 7.30 kick-off at Peters Hills Park and they are looking to qualify for the last eight after an historic away win over Bronby, 2 nothing. So, um, you know, if you want to go along there, I think they've got... Um, tickets on sale at their website so it'd be great to get we support i don't suppose we'll, we'll break the what is it 1.12 billion barriers <laughs> but uh, you know it would just be great for for motherwell and for glasgow city to have that and if you do like to sort of schedule your games in pretty early it's only five weeks to go till the 2019 your sse scottish women's cup final between glasgow city fc and hibs ladies and it's at Tynecastle, and i believe tickets are now on sale for that and in my last little bit about football, um, it was an interesting retweet from Hamilton Ackes who congratulated a certain Sarah Rind <laughs> and Sophie Gilchrist who made their first full team debut at the weekend. Tell us a bit about that, Sarah. Um, oh, it was a great, it was a great opportunity. Um, I'm still still buzzing about it now, to be honest. Um, been I joined Ackes a few months ago, so I've just been in training, working really hard. Um, I've been playing with the 23s, but training with the first team, so it was nice to to get a game under my belt. And nice to get a mention as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really good. Uh -huh. oh, that's excellent. Um, just a wee thing in about rugby, and it was just announced in Australia that the female players at the World Cup Nines tournament are set to receive the same payment as their male counterparts. I feel like a wee cheer should come up at that point. Yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, which is another step forward for the international game, and there'll also be pay parity across all teams in the upcoming Oceania Cup tests. So for the first time, players from the 12 men's teams and four women's teams involved in the World Cup Nines um, in October will each be paid $2,000. Um, I think that is really a great move forward. What, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's incredible. I think it's it's all the right steps forward. Um, 
there shouldn't be any difference, in my opinion, in pay between the men and the women. And I think if you look back, we've we've come a long way in sport and, and females kind of getting the, the deserved recognition that they should be getting. And I think it's not before time. Mm. Now we're on to Shinti and congratulations to Love It, who won the Moe North Division 2 League. Sean Anderson from Moe, the league sponsors, presented Love It captain Laura Gallagher with the trophy. In water polo, the Stirling Water Polo Club, it's good luck to Holly Corkhill, Prunella Canton and Georgina Ross and the rest of the Scottish under-16 girls squad heading to Barcelona for a training camp this weekend. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen water polo, but I was there at one point up in Dundee and I couldn't believe it. This whole game is played in the pool, but your feet are not allowed to touch yeah. the bottom of the pool. <laughs> I mean, Hazel, what is that all about? What strength oh, do you need for that? I would drown. So it's on to shooting now, and it's um, congratulations to Shona McIntosh because she has been named um, as one of the candidates for the Time Sports Women of the Year, which is absolutely well-deserved after an amazing 2019. And in curling, it took two more impressive wins from Team Moorhead to get through the knockout phase of the Canada Nation Classic. However, they were narrowly squeezed out and have now switched their focus to the Masters um, in North Bay, Canada this week. And of course, Katie Archibald, I just love reading about Katie Archibald. She just goes out and does it, doesn't she? In cycling, the European team pursuit gold for Katie Archibald and the Evans, alongside the GB teammates, Laura Kenny and Ellie Dickinson. We don't actually hear about this happening, do we? No. You know, you're not picking up the paper and reading about this, and, you know, we're, we're winning gold medals and we've got a couple of Scots in there. It's just amazing. Now, in golf, a previously a guest, or let's hear it for the girls, golfer Heather McRae, is preparing to compete in the Women's PGA Cup in Texas from the 22nd to the 26th of October. However, the story is bigger than that, as she was in a wheelchair in June, having just undergone a hysterectomy after being diagnosed with cervical cancer at the age of 35. Told that she might not be able to play golf for months, this remarkable woman made her comeback in August at the PGA Four Ball Championships at Farley before taking part in the Scottish PGA Championships at Downfield the following week. Remarkably, and now she's off to the US. So Heather's one of the three finalists for this year's Inspiration Sport Award at the Scottish Women's Sport, and deservedly so. That's just amazing, isn't it? And it lets other people know that you can fight back after, you know, really difficult and tough times. Um, and now we're going to athletics and Eilish McCogan because she has broken her mother Lizzie's Scottish 10 mile record to retain her title at the Great South Run her time of 51 minutes 36 seconds in Portsmouth puts her second on the British all time list behind Paula Ratcliffe who ran 51-11 in 2008 now Lizzie's mother and coach set the Scottish record in 1997 with 52 and the race was her last of the season after she finished 10th in the 10,000 metres at the World Athletic Championships early in October. So she said on Twitter, absolutely buzzing to come away with the win today. Three minutes, three minutes, personal best and Scottish 10 mile best. Can't believe it, beating my mum's record of 52 minutes from 22 years ago. What a way to end my season. And her mum, Liz, tweeted, yep, only gone and took my record. Least still in the family. So I think that's, that's quite good that the two of them <laughs> have bantered mm-hmm. back and forward. They're so alike as well. But I was also interested to read in another article that Elisha's mum alleged that Nike decided to drop her the moment she told them she was pregnant in 1990. 
She was an Olympic 10,000 metre silver medalist, a world indoor 3,000 metre silver medalist and a double Commonwealth 10,000 metres champion. And to put it simply, she was within touching distance of being the world's best female distance runner. Yet, when she was pregnant, she was told she couldn't train, she was told not to run, but against the advice of the doctors and members of the public, she carried on training throughout her pregnancy and proved them all wrong, because just six weeks after her daughter, Elish, was born, she contested an international 5K race in Florida. Less than four months after labour, she won the World Cross Country Bronze, and by the time nine months had passed, she was the World 10,000 Metres Champion. I mean... We do write women off. We do think that pregnancy is an illness and that you can't come back from it. You know, it's not the case. We're seeing so much more and more of, of women coming back and, and being stronger. It's just part of everyday life, though, isn't it? Being yes, absolutely. Being pregnant and getting on with things. So, no, hats off there, like. That's impressive. Yeah, I think so. And to do that all all those years ago when perhaps, you know, everyone was in a case and perhaps we didn't know any better. So mm-hmm. they were trying to... You know, make sure that she was okay and that the baby was okay. But um, yeah, yeah. So that was this week's roundup. And as always, if you've got something that you would like us to mention in the show, you know, just get onto our social media through the website and let me know results, events, whatever. And I always say this: if you would like to be our guest, and look as frightened as Sarah and Hazel, <laughs> who look as if they're visiting the dentist rather than sitting in the studio, um, you know. Please, honestly, they'll tell you the end of the day it's not that bad. So join us after the break to hear all about this trip to India, all about street soccer, Street 45, and how you can help them. Imagine raw power, supreme skill, hand-to-hand combat, and national pride. Imagine putting your body on the line for the greatest prize in world rugby. The Rugby World Cup... 2019. Rock Sport Radio will bring you comprehensive coverage of this titanic battle between the world's top teams. Who will reign supreme? Will it be Northern or Southern Hemisphere? The Rugby World Cup on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Just get the ball over the post at Motorpoint Glasgow's Conversion Challenge to win two tickets to the Six Nations. Find them just two minutes from Junction 3 off the N74. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. William, Pamela and Anthony were sold investments by banks and ended up losing money. Luckily, they contacted Goodwin Barrett and were able to claim back a total of £65,500. If you've lost money on an investment sold by a bank or financial advisor, even if you no longer have the investment or the paperwork, Goodwin Barrett could help. Discover how much you could be owed. Text GOOD to 6677. Text GOOD to 6677 now. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. 
See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio. Welcome back to tonight. Let's hear it for the girls and to our special guest, Sarah Rind, and to Hazel G. And, um... Yeah, let's start off by asking you both, what is street soccer? So street soccer, um, Street 45 is the women's programme that we deliver and it's female-only programme. Um, we've, we've ha- street soccer's been running for 10 years um, and in the last three years yeah. we've started to put together a women's programme because I decided that, that that was important, that we had that um, mm. Because not not every every female out there is like happy to go and play football with the guys kind of yeah. thing. So we wanted an exercise program that included football for so the girls. So street soccer is about combining exercise with football and sort of trying to encourage young women to come in and participate without feeling they have to compete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh huh. We're looking. Yes, we're, we're yeah, happy so street, with that. Street soccer is we use football as a tool to to initially engage players, um, male, female. Um, 16 plus um, to come in people come to us from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life um, everybody's kind of at different places in their journey um, some people further on than others so it's we use football as as a tool it's like come along, get involved in a game of five asides and and it's it's incredible the stuff that comes from that and, and the growth that players take from that because they're coming along each week and then they're kind of pushing themselves out of their comfort zone to, to come for that first time or maybe they've been for a few sessions but mm-hmm. to keep coming back because it's difficult, it's difficult and it's difficult for me now to go and do something new and to go and start a new club or join something where I don't know anyone yeah. so it's it's challenging for them to even kind of come through the doors amazing and we use football, drop-in sessions, um, and from that, they go from strength to strength. So it's all about sort of building up their trust. Yeah. So they come regularly, they get to know you, they feel you know, that they can trust uh, and they then have their own confidence kind yeah. of restored. Yeah. Where does it all happen? So where, so where do you work from, Hazel? Um, I'm, I'm Edinburgh-based, uh-huh. um, but I do work with Sarah in the Glasgow programme as well. Um, do you do, deliver Street 45 in Edinburgh? Not at the moment, but uh-huh. that's something that we're looking to, to be developing really soon. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, we've had, we've had a few things going on recently with the India it's trip and stuff like that. It's been a bit like busy, that, hasn't so it? The dinner, India trip. Din- yep. Yes. Yeah, but so your plans is to move into Edinburgh to deliver in Edinburgh? Yes. Uh-huh. That would be good. And where do you actually have it in Glasgow? So it's uh, we're based at the Power League, Townhead. Mm-hmm. Put the pits um, on a Monday and a Wednesday, half ten to half twelve, and anybody's welcome. And any any females sixteen plus are welcome to come along for mm-hmm. the mixed drop-in sessions. It's Tuesdays and Thursdays at the same place, um, one till three. Now you yourself came through street soccer, didn't you? Yeah. But I take it Hazel, because because I, I I know Sarah a wee bit better. Mm-hmm. But you yourself, did you find street soccer to? Uh, and be part of it before you were actually employed by them. Yes, I did that. And does that in a way help you? Does it give you a better understanding of the issues and, and, and how to approach people and how to, to help them? What do you think about that? Massively. Uh, it, my experience of coming through as a player and in my background and my journey that I've come through is is kind of like 
given me such a step up to be able to help these girls yeah. because I know my own experiences, I know my own battles that I've come through and, and stigma that I've faced and struggles and, and barriers. There's just, there's there were so many barriers for me, like in sport, in life, like as there is for so many people, but I know the stuff that, that held me back and if it wasn't my passion for football, then like I don't know where I would be. And I think also... Um the fact that you're quite happy to relay this to other people so that they can understand that you're not, you're not alone. I think that's probably one of the biggest things, that people feel alone in the world, that mm. no one else has experienced what they've experienced, so how could they understand? So therefore you're given that understanding because you're both sharing your stories. Yeah, and I think what helps like our players as well is that a lot of the staff have, have, have been players at some point as well. Not Not all the staff, but... We're kind of we're we're almost on the same level um, with the players, so we find it much easier to engage, and obviously that that helps like the the trust and the relationships develop. And you do you get a connection with them, like because a lot of people will be like that to me, like oh I can't like you know when I share my story with people, they're like oh I would never know what to look at yeah. you kind of thing. And again, it's like it's nice to hear because it's like I've come so far from where I was, and um, but also it's like. It's again that like that that judgment that stigma like well this is going to say we're just tell me what, how they what, look yeah, yeah. exactly uh-huh. so and I think there's always that element of surprise when you share your story with people like mm-hmm. I still find that yeah. is that they're like like wow and I think it just it helps form a level of connection that actually because for me the power of example has been massive through my recovery like anyone you know like psychiatrists or psychologists or doctors or people that have tried to help me I'm just like I wasn't interested I wasn't interested in listening to them because I was like I felt like I was being judged rightly or wrongly that's how I felt and I was like but what do you know because you went to uni because you've got a degree but I'm like where's your actual life experience how do you know what I'm going through how do you know what I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing like and I think that that we've got our own experiences is that you know Hazel's story is very different to my story we've we've all got different backgrounds but it's like there might be somebody, one of our players that will connect more to me because they, they can relate more or there'll be a player that can connect more to Hazel because they'll, they'll get more connections with what she's got to say or what her background's been, you know, and, and it works. It does work. It works. Like, it works. And, and the girls are also amazing at supporting each other as well. And, and yeah, like, I've just learnt from kind of early on, like, about being honest and being open. Yeah, I mean, I think there are so many challenges facing young people, uh, you know, just now, and not <laughs> people seem to think that challenges are of your own making, and that's not necessarily the case. No. You know, circumstances happen to people, and things change, and people move away, and you lose contact. Um, can you give a little bit of a of a feeling of, of how difficult both your journey was? We don't want to, to spend so much time, but people have to understand that that you're here, you're doing a fabulous job, but it didn't come easy. Mm. And so anyone listening out there can understand if perhaps they've got the same sort of thoughts in their head that there is a wee bit light at the end of the tunnel. And if they want to go along to street soccer, they're going to meet people that understand what they're, what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would you like to give a couple of minutes of, of where you've been or what you're coming from? Yeah, so... Um, I, I can remember from a really young age... Um, early primary school, like, just always being uncomfortable in my own skin, like, I never I never kind of accepted accepted that it was okay to be me, I always kind of wanted to be somebody else or, like, I would want to be more like that person or, or this person, and I just it was never, in my head, it was never okay to be me, and, like, I wasn't I kind of, like, think that I, 
I wasn't a good person and I was very, very hard on myself and I'm like used to give myself a, an absolute doing on a daily basis, you know, <laughs> in my head, like so many negative thoughts and and you know it's funny because I'm like I would never dream of talking to anybody else the way I talk to myself and still do now and I still have to challenge myself on that. Um so for, you know, I was I think I was about thirteen and <laughs> It was trying to find an escape, it was trying to find a way out, trying to find a way out of my head, my crazy thoughts, a way to, to not have to think or not have to feel, and self-harming became a thing for me for, for a lot of years. Um, and that's kind of like, I look back and I'm like, I probably think that's where my addiction started really, you know, because kind of once it started I couldn't stop, and, and that was kind of an escape me for me for a long time. It kind of led on to other things, um, drinking, taking drugs and eventually um, I was a full-blown heroin addict and, and my life like had completely spiralled out of control. Um, it was chaotic at best. It was fascinating for me to hear you saying that it was your own head that was telling mm. you at a young age. Do you come across a lot of young women who can relate to that? Yeah. Now isn't it bizarre that we're all kind of at some point doubting yourself, challenging yourself and we can't seem to speak to each other and and find out that well, we all kind of feel mm-hmm. the same as that. It's, it's a strange one. Is there some way that you think, both of you, that we can get to the root of that problem before it becomes a problem? Is that a crazy thing to say? You know, we, we talk about intervention and, and obviously what we're doing here is we're reaching out to anybody that, that feels that they've maybe lost track slightly, come to street soccer, go to, go to something like that and get back on track. But how do we stop it happening? How do we empower young women at an early age to let them understand that it's OK? In fact, it's great to be different. Any ideas? I think starting young, starting in primary schools, and do you know what? Being open being honest and having having these conversations. Yeah. Do you know, this is not stuff that, like, lack of self-esteem or lack of confidence is massive and it can impact so so hugely on your life and, and on who you are as a person and, and how you deal with things and how you deal with adversity. And I think that, you know, spending the time and having open conversations and um, discussing, you know, ways of coping with things and, and for, for young people to understand that that's not just them. I used to think that it was just me. Yeah, they thought this. It, like I had, I had that so much just to, to think that it was only me and that there was something wrong with me and like yeah, it just always felt different. But it's like, and even now, like you know, stuff that like we'll have conversations with everyone. Like, oh, like and I'll get that sense of relief because all it took was a conversation of being open and honest and be like, right, okay, it's not just me. It's not just me and things like that. If we had little think bubbles coming out of our head so people could actually read our thoughts and they could say, oh, I feel the exact <laughs> same way, but we could keep them yeah, all inside yeah. us and we don't share them. Although, yeah. you know, I think, you know, in my experience, it's great to have a good friend, you know, that you mm-hmm. can trust and tell everything in that. But when you're young, you don't understand that full value of friendship. You've got, you know, a big group of friends. And now yeah. you've got social media, you've got so many imaginary friends, mm-hmm. you know, that you're following their examples, which may not even be their true life. So you're, you're, you're setting yourself up to be like somebody that, that's maybe writing something that's not exactly true. What do you think about social media, Hazel, and how it's impacting on young women these days? Um... I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of social media. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I mean, we use it for, for things such as, you know, advertising and that. But then there's there's obviously those that use it negatively as well. Um, for for bullying purposes and just generally being horrible to each other. Um, so I think, even like as a parent, um, 
keeping a closer eye on like social media and stuff like that. It's amazing you've got this great, great, great tool that can do good. But, but it can also do a lot of damage yeah. if it's used, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And you've got people that are sitting there thinking, how can I muck this up for people, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when really that, that tool there is to share experience, reach out and let people know it's, it's okay not to be okay. It's a bit like, um, you know, um, the mental health discussion that's going on. Now, more and more people are coming out and more and more people are saying, well, actually, when I was at the peak of my career, um, I was actually struggling. Um and hopefully that will make a difference um, to folk who are going through the same thing and start talking about it. So let's talk about the positive sense. We're both here. Um, you're both with Street Soccer. You're both working on Street 45. Yep. Yeah. Have you got plans for this to get any bigger? What are, what are your plans? Where's it going? We're constantly working on it, um, trying to grow the programme. For me, it's not about numbers. Um, for me, it's about, you know, this morning we had the session and we had seven girls along engaging. Yep. That's fantastic, like because that's seven girls that have got out of their bed, they've come along, they've had laughs, they've got some exercise, they've you know had that that relationship and mm-hmm. that communication with their peers and with us, and and have gone away happier and gone away feeling better about themselves and enjoyed it. And it's still a learning curve for it's us, learning as for well, us yeah. because it is a relatively new program. So we are still having to sort of look at ways that we can bring the girls in, where's best to, to do outreach, what groups should we be targeting, should we be looking at specific ages. So, you know, if something's not working, then we're constantly going back to reevaluate things, say, right, okay, so numbers are a bit lower, what do we do this time to, you know, to try and get them back up? So, Is your best kind of form of advertising, is it word of mouth? You know, the girls come along, they enjoy it, and then they speak to their friends, because, I mean... Again, people would still think there's a stigma if there's a poster up there and say, oh, look, I think I'll go there. And people say, why? So how do you get... Well, we're engaging with people who are... They they find it difficult to kind of get to the stage where they're comfortable to come to a session. Mm -hmm. So I think word of mouth's great for the people that we already have on board, but it's outreach and stuff like that. that, Yeah, it's trying to get to the wider community. And and like Hazel says, it is, it's... You know, we were talking about this before. It was that, like, we've actually, you know, been like, all right, we're we're encouraging our players to be like, oh, go and try new things, push out your comfort zone. Yep. And I'm like, and then it kind of dawned on us. I was like, but we're not doing that as coaches, <laughs> so we need to practice what we preach here, which uh-huh. is why I started judo. <laughs> we're, we're only human. All right, we, come we've on. Got issues as well. <laughs> what have you challenged yourself to do, Hazel? Then uh, coming here today. <laughs> <laughs> we're very proud. Yeah. Yeah, How yeah. did I know that was going to be an answer? <laughs> and uh, so that's your your comfort zone, but you're doing okay. I am, and I'm I'm feeling okay. Yeah, I'm feeling good. But obviously, all this comes at a cost in terms of you know the funding you're into the organisation, and I know that a big part of street soccer is um you know getting some fundraising done mm-hmm. just recently had their big event i think it was two Wednesdays ago yeah uh, yep. francois pinard they what a marvelous night to find what was about six seven hundred people there all there to support street soccer yeah, yeah. all giving their money i mean and we saw little clips of what was happening in india which we'll speak about shortly but you've also had women only events to to raise money and i think you had a great event last year with them um, was Anne Glog. yeah yeah i don't know how david duke does it but he can fairly turn up these people that but that, that, well, we don't know either but, <laughs> you know the other people really want to hear their story and, yeah, yeah. and they come out because obviously they believe in the program that must give you a great sense of satisfaction to know that 
that these people are coming out to support what you're doing. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And we need more and more people to to have that belief in what we're doing and, you know, support us more. See the bottom line? Street soccer works. Yes. It works and there's, you know, li- living proof of that. In, in all the players, yep. in all the staff that come through the programme. Well, right. well, it was great to have um, both yourself, Sarah and Laura, at um, the Scottish Women in Sport conference this year, which was about the power of sport and how other sports, obviously, they have all their programmes as well. Football, probably the, the best known because of football mm-hmm. in Scotland. Um, but I remembered you coming up to me that morning and saying, look, I've got a letter here, but it's, it's so emotional, I can't read it, but Laura is going to read it because it was from Laura to David mm-hmm. Duke. Um and Laura got on the stage and read her letter and, and not often in a conference do you see people becoming emotional. They're norm- normally there to learn things and they're quite, you know, yeah. they're quite <laughs> all right. But everyone was pretty emotional because it was a tough, tough story for Laura. And and she also looked like um, she she didn't really want to engage with anybody. And then I saw her, what, a couple of months later um, at the, the dinner and I was kind of had to look twice because this was <laughs> this girl who was smiling, laughing, kind of holding court with a group of people and I thought my goodness what a change you must see some changes like that it is it's incredible um do you know each of our each of our players each of the girls like have have come on their journeys and and it's such a proud moment for us to be able to watch them and to see them grow and and knowing from our own experience as well like you don't see the change in yourself so you know if you speak to Laura she'd be like oh like I don't really think that I've changed that much and I'm like well actually and then a reminder yeah. <laughs> of like when you first met me like you couldn't make eye contact you wouldn't talk to me like you know you were just so shut down and she was she was like like a scared wild animal the cornered you know yeah. um, and to watch the progress in them it's like it's one of our most rewarding parts of our job How do you capture that so that you can for an, want a better word, sell it to a sponsor to support it. You know, is it just by video or is there other ways you can capture this? So we do a lot of case studies as yeah, well yeah. with players yeah. um, to kind of to because it's it's a, it's not the big things necessarily. It's the soft changes. It's the little things. It's the making eye contact. It's the turning up to a session week in week out. It's <sighs> things that we we all take for granted. Yeah, but you know, for somebody like Laura, that that was a massive issue and now look at her yeah because i mean one of the things that that, that came out of the, the letter and i think it was also highlighted in the program at the the fundraising dinner was laura did not want to live past a certain yeah, age past 18, 18. Yep. um and I have no idea what age she is now, but... She's 23. Oh, is she? 24. How 24. wonderful. Because she, she's got so much life ahead of her. Um, and she was absolutely buzzing. And I thought, wow, that is the power, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, so, you've had a great trip. I'm desperate to hear all about this. I was so <laughs> envious. You know, watching it on Twitter, there were some really magical moments there. But tell me how this came about, because I think it did come from a little bit of disappointment in terms of Homeless World Cup. Yeah, Yeah. so Homeless World Cup, um, one of the teams, every year, every year, um, there's only 16 places for the, yeah. for the women's team in the Homeless World Cup. So because we only brought six players, female players, to Mexico last year, it was decided that we maybe wouldn't be able to field a team. Yeah. So therefore we weren't allocated a place this year for a women's team. So that's where Andy got his thinking cap on and he was like, right, an exchange trip. What mm-hmm. can we do? Yeah. yeah. And, and did you have contact with um, Slum Soccer? 
Prior so to that? they'd come over. Um, they came over. Was it five five days before? Uh, yeah, they came over to Edinburgh. Um, prior to the the homeless World Cup in Cardiff as well. So, but Andy's been working with them for the past eleven years. So and, and Andy is. Uh, he's um, headed programs for street soccer. Ah, right. So, so, how many girls did we get together to go out there? What, what was the group like? What was the sort of makeup? How many girls? How many? It was a good mix of ages. Yeah, um, very mixed ages. Um, youngest being seventeen. Seventeen. Oldest yep. being fifty. Five. Wow, that is a that is a good mix. It was good though, but it, it, so. It, it was a process for us that, that we discussed a lot um, because it, you know, we'd love to take them all. We'd love to take all our girls over, um, but we had to look at who was ready, who, who was, was going to benefit out of this experience, who was going to engage with it. Who, you know, there's a lot to take in, a lot to consider. Because I suppose, in a way, that making choices impacts on the ones that are left behind in terms of the the way they're thinking at the moment. Very so difficult. It's really Very challenging. Did, did you work with the girls who didn't get selected? Yeah, so we spoke to them. We kind of kept it a bit on the down low at the start and then had spoke to the girls that we decided that we shortlisted to go yeah. for India. Um, but I'll be honest, it was it was awkward when we did speak to the girls that weren't selected and then haven't... We did... We, we, tried our best to explain to them, you know, like that not this opportunity, but you know, there's so many opportunities yeah, come there up. Will be a so many trips with street soccer that come up. Incredible incredible things and just to please keep coming along and keep engaging and and you know what? Like we that's the first time we've kinda really had them back in properly since we've been back. So, yeah, so. since we came back. I... And they were just like, How was the trip? Like really like keen to hear about it, do you know what I mean? So I'm sure there was, you know, disappointment there but um So what were, kind of what were your numbers it. going out? We took six players. Six players. Six players. And, and support staff? What, what kind two of support volunteers. staff do you have there? So we had two volunteer players, um, and we had myself and Hazel, and um, Fiona. Fiona May, she came out with us as well. Yep. Um, and Andy. Uh-huh. And then, obviously, the India people looked after us amazingly well. Oh, God, yeah. So tell us what it was like in, in landing in India. <sighs> Even on land, it, it was a culture shock, wasn't it's it? It's still really difficult to get my head around about what actually happened. Like you see, it was a massive culture shock. It's it was quite um, Nacho. He came out. He was our. Um, he did some filming when we were out there, which was incredible. Um, so he came out to film for the week and did a couple of player profiles as well when he was mm-hmm. there. But he got he got grilled, didn't he? He got really involved like, with the girls. He loved having them. Yeah. It was. He was amazing. He was. He was one, one of the one of the girls. So were you hosted in local families? Where did you stay? So we stayed in. We stayed in a, a hotel mm-hmm. um, in Nagpur itself, and you know there was a timetable made up for us sort of every day. So we were we were busy from you know waking up to going to bed. Every day was jam packed full of stuff, and we were sort of picked up and then taken, you know, to different places throughout the day. But you became kind of um, celebrities because yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. You, you were in areas where they haven't seen white faces before. No. Yeah, no, no, how never. Did that, was, how did that go down? Well, at first we hadn't realised. At first we didn't know that nobody said anything about that, no. so we weren't aware of it at first. But. Like literally, like people were like kind of running up and being like, "Oh, selfie, selfie!" And you're like, "Oh, cool, just sure." Like, yeah. um, 
And then one of the, one of the girls had explained to us that they we were known as Gora, Gora, with, yeah, um, white people, and they'd never ever experienced seeing white mm. people before, so we were quite alien to them. And I still can't get my head around that concept. Was it a bit scary? I mean, you know, if people are coming up to the... I remember being in Brazil with the, the women's football team many years ago and having to sit in the stand and, and they just wanted to touch you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it yeah. Was just, it was similar for us. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so it's, it's quite a scary I, I thing was to happen. Me. I was I scared. Yeah, no, because a bit confused just, yeah. as to why they were so sort of desperate to touch us and talk to us. and. But, you know, they were just, like, so happy, like... The smiles that you were met with everywhere you went, do you know, whether they knew you or not. <laughs> yeah, it was just genuine, genuine pleasure. So give me a little that. indication. What what did you do on a day-to-day basis? Oh, how did you connect? I mean, you, you've been into schools, you went into communities. So, so, so tell me a little bit about... You visited a, a Muslim school, girls' school, and you had lunch in a traditional Indian home. What is a traditional Indian home? Not a home that you would think of as here. It no. was a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that even varied while we were there because yeah. the, the the girls that we were, like, we were meeting their families and stuff like that, some of them lived in a proper home where they had, you know, a bathroom, a kitchen, a living room and a, and a bedroom mm-hmm. for the whole family. And other ones, you know, it was in the proper slum areas and they they literally had it was two rooms it was a kitchen yeah. and a living living area which also was their bedroom and, and, and there might have been five or six of them in that family yeah, yeah. Big families uh-huh and it was just like that was quite a very humbling experience and also mm-hmm. when we went to visit them um everywhere you went like you were just this is what i say about india is that we were welcomed in like family and treated like royalty yeah. like and they made us meals everywhere we went. Like, if we would visit their oh. homes, it was, like, just, like... And we spoke about this. It was, like, you felt kind of uncomfortable, but it's, like, the different cultures as well. So, because we noticed that the children didn't have anything to eat, the mum didn't have anything to eat, but she brought out food for, like, us and so maybe that, the father. That, yeah, that was quite awkward So then you're, like, upsetting. for us in our culture, like, that's... It was uh, it was uncomfortable. Um, and then... it. Well, for but me, I was like, okay, that's like, rude. yeah, so you don't want to be rude either. Yeah, but, but you also can't go and change culture, can you? Well, this no, is it, yeah. yeah. You've got to accept what Yeah, and just accepting that that's just, yeah. that's just how it is and that's how, how they are. Um, but for me, it just sums up the people. Like, the people who they are, like, made, people make India, you yeah. know, like, uh-huh. people make Glasgow, like, people make India, like, uh-huh. just, it's yeah. incredible. So when you were at this Indian home and you were getting served um, your lunch, what were they serving you? I want to just say curry because I don't understand what every type... But you would always have, like, a little rice thing. You would have, like, your curry, which was usually really spicy, (laughs) even though it was meant to be zero spice. Um, (laughs) And you'd always have, like, a a sweet, and you sat on the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, You ate with your hands. I was going to ask that because it's a bit dead to just scoop up the rice. Yeah, Yeah, just just dig in with your hands, Uh just... How just did the other girls? It. Did they all sort of were they all happy enough to get involved in that way? Did they all, was to some of them was it more than they expected? Do you know? I think everybody was kind of like culture shocked in in different ways and different different but, scenarios. Yeah. But do you know what? Like we couldn't be prouder of them because they were all <coughs> incredible. They were all amazing. They all embraced the whole experience. Yeah. And we were like we'd had you know kind of like bit of reservations before we'd gone about 
how things would go and how people would adapt and how they would deal with things. But and how they would like, get on as a group. Yeah, and, you but know, they were incredible. as staff. So, uh-huh. I, I think um, Celtic Football Club helped you out with donation of some strips. Did you take them out to, yeah. to yeah, India with did, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah they gave yeah. us a whole load of strips kit, which was incredible. How um, was that received? I went, oh, they were so... <laughs> a couple of the... A couple it was of the head of were given to the, the, the Muslim girl in yeah. the Muslim girl school. She was the um, head of head of the school or head of the football team or something. Yeah. And honestly, like just a smile on her face, but she was shocked as well. Like she was just, but it was quite, uh, yeah. yeah, it was quite emotional. Uh-huh. And all the girls were just like looking at her like like these big wide eyes and these <laughs> huge smiles. Like it was amazing. So if I ask both of you, what was the highlight of your trip? If you get a different highlight, Sarah, what was your highlight? I really struggle to put a highlight in one thing. I, um, yeah, it was. <laughs> you've got time to think, so you've not got an excuse, Hazel. I, I, do you know, for me, I think my highlight was, and it's like, oh, I get quite emotional just talking about it still. Um, we ran a couple, they'd seen some soccer and we volunteered and helped out. At it. They ran a couple of tournaments for the girls, um, which was incredible and it was amazing. And a lot of it's like girls that they're working on their projects. Mm-hmm. But there was this other group of girls that were younger and weren't part of the football tournament. Um, and All we were off in a corner somewhere, yeah. yeah. And we'd seen yeah. them because we saw them when we came into slum soccer. And they basically um kinda of gypsies, like mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a little just gypsy about, camp. but just made their own wee camp next to slum soccer. So I was just like I didn't have a football in, but I was just, you know, improvised. I was just like that, like teaching them forward rolls and handstands and cartwheels and they were just the most engaging to work with. They were incredible. They were just so happy. They were taking shots of my sunglasses and just like big smiles and wearing them. And like one one girl would put them on and then she hadn't had them on her face for more than two seconds and another girl was taking them <laughs> off and wanted to try them on. And But they were just so happy and so engaging. And do you know, there was like complete language barrier. So it was all like... Of course that was like, a question. Trying to find other ways to communicate. Yeah. I didn't uh-huh. have one of the girls to translate for me at the time, so I was like teaching them forward row. And now there's a video of this, and I, I watch it back so much because <laughs> I love it. And I'm like, like this in my hand, you know, like gesturing to do a forward row and tuck your head in, and the girls are just like copying what I'm doing, and then I'm, like, they're touching their heads, and then they're touching my head. <laughs> and it was like, and then I ran back to get a space to just show them quickly and do a forward row, and they just all jumped up and followed me. Like they're just, they were so engaging. They were so incredible. They, they hung on you know every they were word so happy. you said. They were so happy. And then I was so sad because I was like, seeing where they lived. And then I was speaking to one of the girls, Isha, after it, and she was telling me that they won't ever go to school. They won't ever have that opportunity. They'll be put to work from a young age. Like, that is just the life that is cut out for them. They'll never have a life that, in my opinion, that uh-huh. that everybody deserves. So yeah. it was incredibly hard to kind of learn that. And do you know what? And I was like... I spoke to Nacho actually and he was like but you can't look at it like that he was like because they're happy and they don't know any different like they're mm-hmm. happy and they're grateful for what they have yeah he's like and I was like do you know what and it totally changed my mindset and it, and it made it a lot easier to kind of accept that and just be like right okay do you know what they are happy and there's a lot that I can take from that and there's a lot that I can learn from that and yep. that's probably one of the biggest things that I've come back from India with is looking at like constantly look at myself anyway but that's one of the things, like, right, catching myself when I'm having a wee moan about this, that, the next thing that's not important. Do you know oh. what? It's not important. I've got a roof over my head. I've got an incredible job. I've got a loving and supportive family. Like, I'm not, you know, at risk of becoming homeless or, like, you know, I've got enough money to kind of survive off. Like, do you know, I've got so much to be grateful for. Like, so much. But it's still the human nature. I think everyone does that, you know. Sorry for the coughing and spluttering, but I've been struggling with a cold and you know what it's like. You're waking up and then suddenly you realise you may have friends elsewhere that have got something 
you know, that really, mm-hmm. that, that, that they're struggling with and you're mm-hmm. struggling with the cold. But Hazel, what about your highlight? Did you have a specific highlight? Is it difficult for you to pull out one thing? No, I couldn't possibly pull out one single thing. I think, for me, it was just, not even the country itself, but just the people. Just everything about how friendly they were, accommodating, just... I don't know, I, I, I really had to take a step back. Um, I'm, I'm not an emotional person, but I did find that, that week quite difficult and kind of up to the last couple of days I've, I felt I was maybe sort of struggling a wee bit. But if I had to pick one thing, I think it would be the relationships that I developed with Sarah and the other girls that we took away and then obviously the India girls that spent so much time with us, you know, they, they took us by the hand to help us cross the road, you know. They just looked after us so yeah. well. Wonderful. Helped us on and off the buses, you know, so yeah, that's I, I, I So that. for the for the, the girls that went with you, what do you think it's it's done for them? It's that's a difficult one because we haven't, we haven't had really a proper catch up with everyone since we come yeah. back. It's been mm. a bit ca- and yeah, and for way. people coming back, and we know, you know, we've done a few trips now. We've we've got our own experiences, and we're a little bit further on in our journeys, maybe. So it kind of more <laughs> able to adapt to things. But like Hazel says, like it's been challenging. Like it's you've come back, and it's just like it. It almost felt like when you got back that you'd never been away. It felt quite like something I felt, felt a different. bit deflated when I came yeah. back. Yeah, I'd been definitely. so busy for the whole week, literally had no time to think about anything that was happening at mm-hmm. home. And then you come home and you're like, wow, everything just hits you yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, and all the emotions. But I think we've got a bit of experience to be able to kind of know that that's roughly how we'll feel and, yes. and how we'll be able to adapt and just, you know, pick yourself up and, and get back out and get a routine as soon as you can. But for the girls, I think that's been a bit of... A, it has time been, to adapt yeah. to that, but it was really great to see to see a couple of them back at the sessions today, which was really good. And yeah. other ones, you know, we've had contact with. So I think everyone's just finding their feet again in in their own way and in their own time, which is which is good. So what's the next step? I mean, are we looking at this being a permanent fixture? Are we looking at reciprocal? We would hope to make yeah. it an exchange, like maybe even a yearly thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because we spoke about that, and it's like, well, what like the way we were treated over there was honestly like royalty so like, yeah, what, would we... what would we do when, if they came over here like our life seemed so boring <laughs> in comparison um, so but you know that's what struck me sorry I'm going off on one here but that's what struck me over there so see in the last day we did some classroom stuff throughout and on the last day we got together in our own kind of like Scotland group and Indian group and it was like we put down like discussed put down in paper what we'd learned and what we'd taken from the week from their experiences and I don't know about you but I was I was kind of like surprised at how much they'd taken from us and I don't mean that to take away from the girls or, or anything like that but I was just I felt like they had more to offer us than we had to offer them but you know to hear them saying that our stories and our journeys mm-hmm. and inspired that they want, them yeah. and that we were so strong and, and which we all are but we don't see yourselves in that way if that makes sense well of course because I don't think you go about thinking to yourself every day well look at me I'm strong I'm mm-hmm. this that the next day yeah. and putting yourself in an environment like that mm-hmm. it, it is so different yeah. isn't it it yeah. is so challenging when we talk about um, not having anything we're talking about material things but yeah. over oh, there yeah. they, they, there's they nothing material is there yeah. yeah and it's just so different but 
the case in point, it doesn't necessarily make you happy because you were told no. that they, they were happy because they didn't know anything else. Um, so I think that would be great. But how would you fund this trip? I mean, this, this wouldn't be easy. So, you know, is there any sort of shout out you want to give for, for people out there that could maybe help you in the future? Who, who, where did the funding come from in the first place? Have you any idea? I have no idea. <laughs> I actually don't know. Is that a question without an answer? Well, I suppose it's some of this fundraising money that you know you do through your different events, through mm-hmm. your golf day, mm-hmm. um, through your corporate women's lunch. So basically, just say to people out there, when you see street soccer advertising an event, get yourself along, get your company along and take your checkbook. Yeah, was absolutely. that <laughs> is, is that it said in a letter for you? It seems a bit so far, well said. But, yeah. yeah, well I think that you have a song to play us out tonight um, and there's a little bit of a, a a twist on this one and what it's going to be in terms of um, it reflects um, your summer. What is it then? Yeah, so it's... See that you've been nominated <laughs> for this job. <laughs> it's Indian Summer by Stereophonics. Listen, thank you very much and uh, you know, if anyone wants any more information on street soccer, just go to the website and uh, good luck. And if there's anything we can help you with, just give us a shout. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio.